0: Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Sally spoke and she spoke on the parable of the lost coins and the lost sheep. And uh, at the time, uh, my wife Kirsty and I, we, uh, do, we're do we doing this like Bible in two years plan on the YouVersion Bible app because I'm, I'm not actually a big reader, so... Um, we kind of like to do it over a long period of time. That's been something you can you can do stuff together on there, which is really cool, and you can put comments on there together. It's really, uh, it's been really fun for us to do that. And during um, as Sally was was doing that message, shortly after, because I knew uh, I was going to be speaking coming up, and we I got to choose my own topic today, and uh, it just so happened that the stuff we were reading was going through a number of the parables of Jesus, and one of the ones that came up was the parable of the sower. And I haven't spoken on the parable of the sower before, or maybe once before, but a very, very, very long time ago, and I can't really remember what I said then, but I really wanted to take this opportunity today to delve into the parable of the sower. I thought it would be a great opportunity to really pull it apart and have a look at it. So I actually was quite excited about that, and I'm going to take you along for the journey with me if that's okay. Um, The parable of the sower is uh, found in Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, and Luke's gospel. So I think... It was a pretty important parable in the life of the early church parables, kind of a story which illustrates a greater uh, meaning that Jesus had. And the gospels, if you're here this morning <clears throat> and you're new to church, the gospels are the parts of the Bible which talk about Jesus' life and ministry, his death and resurrection as well. We try, try not to use kind of code language here, but apologies, sometimes we accidentally do. So they are the gospels. And uh, this parable, this story that Jesus tells Uh, with that extra meaning, uh, answers a really important question for us as Christians. And that question is, how can I start or sustain a healthy, growing faith in God? How can I start or sustain a healthy, growing faith in God? And today I'll be focusing on uh, Matthew's account. And I won't be chopping and changing between Matthew, Mark and Luke. I'm just deciding this morning to focus on Matthew's telling an account of the parable of the sower. So let's get into it. Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 to 9, to begin with, Jesus told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. These seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil or good soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So Jesus is teaching this and he's mainly telling the crowds. He's he's out there teaching this to a big crowd of people, but then later on he teaches just his disciples. They come to him and they inquire about why he uses parables and he chooses to teach them the meaning. So it's actually a good one for me to be able to break down because the meaning's already here and we can just unpack that. So Jesus says to his disciples uh, from chapter 13, verse 19, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents, represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. And so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil, though, represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of sixty, or 30, 60 or even 100 times as much as had been planted or planted for our South Australian peeps. Now, that's a lot of text and it can be really easy to lose the meaning when you just read it out in a big slab like that. I understand it's hard sometimes just listening to that and going, what am I meant to do there? And so I really want to just pick apart the meaning of particularly each of those soils and I can tell you now there is so much meaning in this parable if you want to go away and do some extra study on it I encourage you to I probably had to delete about 50% of my message this morning just because there was so much there to juice out of it so this morning I'm not going to be covering absolutely everything but I'm going to be covering what I think is some really important parts of what Jesus wanted to share now to help me do that or to just give you something to look at I'm going to get my great assistant Daniel to bring up some some visual aids for me which he'll just be doing. But whilst he's doing that, um, there's just some key overall notes of God which help us understand the meaning of the parable. Firstly, the seed. When Jesus is talking about the seed, he's talking about the message about the kingdom of God. That's what he says it is in chapter 13, verse 19. In other words, he's talking about the gospel message, the message that Ian shared this morning during communion. The fact that Jesus came to save sinners. So the seed is that message of the gospel, that Jesus came to save sinners, to live, to die, and to rise again for us. Then there is the person, the sower, who is Jesus. He is the one preaching the message of the kingdom of God and bringing the kingdom here to earth. He is the one foretelling and saying, hey, the kingdom has come, I am here. So the sower is Jesus and the four soils represent the receptiveness of different people's hearts to the gospel or different types of receptiveness to that gospel and the likelihood of that lasting. You even got it in order, Dan. That's amazing. Thank you. That's good. All right. Noting here that three of the four soils that Jesus talks about are actually receptive to the gospel, but only one out of three end up lasting. That is why this parable is so important. We want to be the good soil, the growing, lasting faith. Who wants to be that? I know I do. I want to be the growing, lasting faith. And this parable is part of the key to unlocking what that's all about. So we'll get to, uh, let's break down. What I want to do is just break down those different types of soil. I just need to open up this. These are my seeds. They're actually macadamias. Because I tried to pick something that you would actually be able to see. If you're allergic to macadamia, are you guys allergic to, no, good, that's good. All right, don't shake my hand afterwards. So starting at verse 19, the seed that fell on the footpath, this is my footpath here, a brick from my backyard. (laughs) The seed, and it can mean more than one, there we go, The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The evil one here is talking about Satan or the devil. And at first glance, you might read this or hear this and you're thinking, does this mean that if you don't understand the Bible, the devil comes and gets you? You know, those who hear the message and don't understand, well, I've read the Bible before and I've heard sermons before and I don't fully understand what that's about every time I read the Bible. What's the deal with that? Does that mean the devil's going to come and be like, I'm going to get you, dummy? That's not what Jesus is trying to say here. Instead, Jesus is talking about those who flat out reject him, those who have no faith, who put up the walls and say, no, Jesus, you are not for me and absolutely reject him like the footpath rejects the seed. When Jesus says they don't understand the message of the kingdom, in this context, he's talking about the fact that they don't even receive the message of the kingdom. It doesn't go in them at all. And so the devil snatching that away is more of a, if you don't use it, you lose it situation. By default, the message of the kingdom is snatched away from those who put up the blocks to Jesus. Specifically here, it's important to note that Jesus is targeting the Pharisees, the scribes, and the teachers of the religious law. There's something in this for all of us, but he's specifically targeting these people because they are the ones that are consistently ripping him down all the time. In fact, in Matthew chapter 12, the t- chapter just before this one that the parable of the sower is in, we see the Pharisees, teachers of religious law, and the scribes are just constantly, every single thing that Jesus does, they rip him down. Every single teaching he has, they say it's ridiculous and he's a false teacher. Every healing he does, they say, oh, that's from the devil. Everything Jesus does, he's arguing with them all day. And then at the start of Matthew chapter 13, it says, on the same day, Jesus has gotten to his wits end (laughs) when he tells the parable of the sower and he tells heaps more after this too. And every single parable has something to do with the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law. And he's saying they are those footpath hearts. They are those footpath hearts. Anyone that is has that unbelief and pushes Jesus away are the footpath hearts. Yes, I think that's Shmuel from Shmuel from um, The Chosen. Anyway, side note, really important to note this, but I'm not going to labour on it. Jesus is not saying that these people cannot be saved ever. God can crack through any concrete. Because the thing is that later on, in this passage or, or in Matthew chapter 13, 13, 52, Jesus starts talking about how Pharisees and scribes, when they are trained for the kingdom of heaven, that is that, that when they have received the gospel, that they're like people who bring out old treasures as well as new because they've got the whole Old Testament under their belt and then they also become wise in the knowledge of the New Testament or the new covenant, okay? So if you've got someone in your mind right now and you're like, man, maybe they're like a footpath heart. You know, they're never going to receive the gospel. They're probably just destined to be a footpath. They're destined to never receive Jesus. Don't give up because if even the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law and the scribes can be saved, so can that person that you're praying for as well. God can crack through the concrete and the seed of God's word can soften and get in there over time. So don't give up and don't label people. Oh, they're just footpaths, stuff them. No, that's not what we're here for. We're here to preach God's word. Now, application for us, If you're a Christian, it's tricky because you're not a footpath heart. If you've accepted God's word into your life, you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour. You're not what what Jesus is talking about here. You are not a footpath heart. But a question that I think is well worth considering for all of us is are there there any areas of unbelief within my faith? Are there any big areas of doubt and unbelief where I'm kind of boxing Jesus out of that place and going, no, I, I just don't think I can trust you in that, Lord? It's important for us to consider this question. Take those things to God in prayer, whatever comes up, whatever things where we have unbelief, doubt, things where we're struggling and go, Jesus, I, wanna, I want you to take this for me. I don't know how to trust. I know someone came to Jesus and said to him, heal, heal my kid. And Jesus said, you need to believe. And he said, Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. It is possible to have belief and unbelief simultaneously occurring within your heart. You know what the Word of God says, but you're also struggling to see it in your circumstances. A little bit like what that song was talking about this this morning. Jesus, help me with my unbelief. God, help me with my unbelief. We take that to God in prayer because we build belief by practising trust. We build belief by practising trust. And of course, another application, if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus into your life as Lord and Saviour, then why not make today the day? There is a God that cares about you and loves you and your family more than you could ever hope, dream or imagine. And He has a destiny, a hope and a future for you. And that is what we're all about here at Port Life. So that footpath heart is that unbelieving heart. The Word of God can't do anything in there. And we build belief by practising trust in God. Let's go to the next type of seed. The seed on the rocky soil. Like how I did that? I should do a bit more of a sprinkle. Um, salt Bay, that's the one. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing. God's word. As you can see, there is some soil there. It's just not very deep. There's not a lot of room to grow. The rocky soil is the first of two soils which receive the message of the kingdom, but don't last. The reason the message of the kingdom doesn't last in the rocky soil is because the faith is shallow. And what this means is the faith here is superficial. It's an initial acceptance of Jesus, but at a surface level. Rocky soil people are initially keen. They receive the message with joy, Jesus says. But when life's problems come their way or they start getting hated on for their faith in whatever small way we get hated on for our faith in the West, they get persecuted, they bail. They go, nah, this is too hard. Too hard basket, I'm out. Like the crowds that Jesus is preaching to, these people are fair weather followers because they have no depth to draw upon to get them through those times of hardship. No depth and nourishment to draw upon to get them through those times where they may be being left out or relegated or, God forbid, persecuted for their faith. Now, this is a problem because Jesus said that tough times are inevitable for those of faith. John 16:33. he said, you will have trouble. Not you might. Not possibly. Not, hopefully not. You will have trouble. A pandemic might come along. You're going to experience grief and loss at some point. You might get fired. All kinds of things might happen to you. You're going to face all kinds of negative things in your life. It's part of life, but also for the person of faith, there's some extra stuff there. The possibility of persecution, etc. Jesus also said in John 15, 18, that the world hated me, it'll also hate you. You know, it it's, might not be like full-on hate here in the West yet, although it's debatable, but... We are going to experience some kind of being left out for our faith or being seen as lesser than for our faith at times. It just happens. It's part of being a Christian. And so, if we're to have sustaining faith rather than this shallow faith on the rocky soil, we must develop depth. We must develop depth. We apply this, to apply this, we develop depth by getting real with God. That is the only way we can develop depth is by getting real with God. If we're superficial with God, our faith will remain superficial. And this too is best done in prayer. You'll notice a few things that I say today in application are about prayer, and that's because this is a heart issue. Heart issues need prayer to be involved. It's not all about, as Ian said this morning, doing things to get better for God. Sometimes it's just about the condition of our heart which requires prayer. Praying, Jesus, I don't want to be a fair weather follower. Jesus, help me to build the faith depth that I need for those times of trouble. Jesus, I'm scared. And thank you for your grace when I fail. Really important. Every single one of us is going to fail in this at some point. Even Peter, the leader of the early church, failed in this at times. Every single disciple did at some point or another. You will too. But coming back to that heart of Jesus, help me in those times. Jesus, prepare me for those times. I don't want to be a fair weather follower. And I would say, if you're praying prayers like that, you don't have a superficial faith. If if that is even a concern to you that you might be superficial, chances are you might not be superficial because you're actually considering it. You're thinking about it. This morning, would you consider that? So the rocky soil is the shallow and superficial faith. And we develop depth by getting real with God. Then we've got the seed that fell among the thorns, and I'm not even sure if this is going to work. Oh, no. Two more? No. No. <laughs> I better pick that up because it's a nut. Anyway, all right, good. Sorry. Again, macadamias, allergies, I get it. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of, I can't say the word lure, L-U-E-R-E. How do you say that? Lure. I overthink it when I'm preaching it and I'm like lure, lure, lure. Is it lure or lure? Anyway, the lure. Now I thinking about, see, don't talk, Nick. Stop it. (coughs) But all too quick, let's start again. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Just like with the second soil, the rocky soil, the message of the kingdom here is initially received, kind of almost a little bit. But in this soil, the message of the kingdom is impacted by two worldly things, and that is the worries of life and the lure of wealth. Let's have a look at what they mean. The worries of life. This is not about just being worried. It doesn't mean like if you're sitting around, if you're a worrywart, it's not necessarily talking about you specifically. What it means is the distractions of life, all the things that fill up our lives, the day-to-day stuff that occupies our hearts and minds consistently and constantly and sometimes more than they should. It can be anything from work, family and personal commitments all the way through to interest rate rises need to get a new car, whatever it is, whatever is occupying our hearts and minds, it's broad intentionally, it's the distractions and cares of this world. The second thing is the lure of wealth or as the NIV put it, as I probably should have just included from the beginning, the deceitfulness of wealth so I didn't have to say lure. The idea, the deceitfulness of wealth is the idea when we get sold out to the idea that money and possessions will fulfil us. More stuff, I just need more things and then I'll be happy. I just need the latest whatever and I'll be happy. I just need more, I just need more, I just need more. You know, um, Joel and Naomi Vortman just recently got a house that has a pool. Now I need a house that's got a pool. (laughs) Stuff them, I want the pool house, right? That attitude is the exact kind of attitude That he's talking about here, the more, that I need to compete with, that I need this, I need that, etc, etc, etc. This idea that we'll be fulfilled by that, come on, then someone else is just going to get a bigger pool, aren't they, Joel? And then you're going to have to get another house, (laughs) right? There's always something to compare and contrast in our lives too that makes us jealous. You know, Jesus isn't anti-savings and anti-stuff, he's anti-jealousy. Selfish ambition, vain conceit, the fruits of the flesh, Galatians 5. That's what he's against. He's not against you having a bank account. He's not against you spending money. What he's against is that that chokes out him, that that chokes out his word. These things, the lure of wealth and the worries of life, combine to crowd or choke out Jesus as that number one priority in our lives, which for the Christian is our calling to put Jesus as number one. And Jesus, Jesus, it's like Jesus and Jesus, They're both good. <laughs> Amen. Jesus, okay, anyway, Jesus, these combine to crowd and choke out Jesus as the number one priority. Jesus tackles this as a heart issue. <laughs> I'm not going to recover from that. In Matthew, because now I've just got Jesus in my head every time I say it. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus goes after this heart problem. He says, hey, this is an issue. He says, and and get this, it's pretty full on, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Or I would argue the principle applies, insert other worry, distraction, person, thing, ideology, whatever here. You cannot. And when he's talking about despise, he's meaning he's not meaning you're going to hate Jesus because you probably think, "Oh, that's not me," because I don't hate Jesus. I've got my stuff, but I don't hate Jesus. He's talking about it. if you look at your priorities and the way you spend your time, your money, your energy, whatever. At what point is Jesus in in that? Where is he in that? And by that, would it look like you hate him based on the amount that you spend on him? When Jesus here is saying, "No one can serve two masters." The thing that immediately pops into my mind is when you see someone walking a wild dog, like a really crazy dog, or um, when a really small person is walking a really big dog. That's always very funny to me. Um, And it's a little bit like that. And it's really a situation of who's walking who. Is the dog walking the person or is the person walking the dog? In other words, are you dictating the distractions and finances and things in your life Or are they dictating you? Who is the master in your world? Who do you bow down to? These are questions I've had to ask myself as I'm preparing for this, by the way. I'll just try and pick on you. For the message of the kingdom to grow in us, we must allow its space to thrive. It can't be choked out by all these extra things. Now, these aren't thorn bushes, but they're still pretty gross. Unfortunately, they are from our garden. And that is like 0.1% of them. But no one wants their life to look like this. But in the spiritual realm, sometimes that's what we look like and we don't even realise it. For the message of the kingdom to grow in us, we must allow it space to thrive. And to, a, to clear space, sorry, to, to do that, we need to clear out space. And the way we clear out space in our lives, Jesus says elsewhere in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a famous scripture that says, by seeking the kingdom of God above all else. Seek first, it says in other translations, the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 talks about all these different financial worries and stresses that can go through people's minds. And then at the bottom, he says, seek first first. In summary, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek me first in all things. In other words, give the leadership of our lives back over to Jesus where it belongs. Because the other thing is sometimes when we say that we go, yeah, but you know, are you, are you telling me to prioritize Jesus over family or this or that? What, are that? what does that look like? The thing that I always get really reassured by is that Jesus actually cares for my family more than I do. And I care for them a heck of a lot. By giving the leadership of my life over to Jesus, I know that he's always going to ensure that they are cared for, especially in times where I'm not doing my job well. And he's like, hey, Nick, go be a better husband. When we give the leadership over to Jesus, we allow him room to move in more than just our lives, but the lives of all we impact in our workplaces, our families and all kinds of different environments in our parenting even. And by giving the leadership of our lives back to Jesus, we too, again, can pray. Jesus, is there anything in my life that's crowding you out? This is something I hope we can all pray this morning. Jesus, is there anything in my life that's crowding you out? And do you know what? If we pray that, we then also need to be willing to hear an answer that we'd rather not hear. If he wants us to reprioritize our time, maybe he's like, hey, this is the year to get into your Bible. This is the year to start praying. This is the year to attend Breakout. This is the year to make some priority switches that show that this is a priority for you. Maybe if he wants you to reprioritize your finances in some way or he wants you to reprioritize your habits and being willing to hear an answer from Jesus that we'd rather not. This leads us to the final soil, which is the seed that fell on the good soil. The seed that fell on the good soil, Jesus says, represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60 or even 100 times as much as has been planted. The message of the kingdom in good soil hearts naturally grows because there's three ingredients there that we've already talked about. There's belief, there's a responsiveness to God. There's not a hardened heart. There's not that unbelief there going, no way, Jesus. There's depth, the faith isn't superficial or shallow and there's space to thrive. Those weeds have been taken out, the worldly overcrowding, the worldly cares have been rid from that faith and now it is ready to grow because all that is left is the good soil. You know, my dad is like actually a really, really, really good gardener. Like I had to think back on it. My whole life, dad has had an amazing garden. When I was young, amazing garden. When we moved house, he, and it looked like, you know, there was barely even room to have a garden. Amazing garden. Like he just is able to make things grow. And even now, today, he lives in a in a, a motorhome and he's still got like pots and plants and things that he puts outside when he parks his motorhome and they're always growing. I don't know if he's ever killed a plant in his life. Um, crazy, because I'm the opposite, clearly. And um, he, what I remember him doing is he would always be tending to the soil and making it ready for the growth to occur. And one thing that he used to use a lot is a thing called blood and bone, which is the title of my message this morning. Who's seen this before? Blood and bone. Well, according to lovethegarden.com, which is um, a highly academic source, blood and bone can be applied prior to sowing any seeds or throughout the growing season as needed. It nourishes the soil. It gets it ready for growth. But then once growth is occurring, it also keeps growth going and makes it grow even more. It's helpful prior to and during growth because it prepares and keeps the soil healthy, promoting growth. And, you know, belief, depth and space in our hearts is the spiritual blood and bone that the message of the kingdom needs. Band, you can come whenever you want. Belief, depth and space in our hearts is the spiritual blood and bone that the message of the kingdom needs to be able to grow. Belief Depth and space. So in 2023, if you want to start towards a healthy faith, you need that blood and bone. You need belief, depth, and space. In 2023, if you're going, Nick, I've already got a healthy faith, I'm happy with where I am. Well, God still wants you to grow whenever, whenever just kind of resting on our laurels, you need that blood and bone, that belief, depth, and space. So this morning I started out by asking the question: how do we start and sustain a healthy, growing faith? Well, the answer in the parable of the sower, Jesus teaches us. we build belief by accepting and trusting Jesus. We develop depth by getting real with God and we allow the message of the Kingdom space to thrive by putting Jesus first again where He's meant to be in the priorities of our lives. Our finances, our priorities, our time, anything, everything, putting Jesus first and so this morning We're about to worship together again, which I'm so excited about. And if you are here this morning and you've been wrestling with any of these things, maybe in your personal time and maybe even just in your thoughts, you haven't even said it to anyone, but you feel that you're struggling with unbelief. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus before and you would like to today, or you already call yourself a Christian, but you're having doubts and there's elements of unbelief there. You're struggling with circumstances to see God's goodness. Maybe this morning you feel your issue is depth that your faith perhaps has been a bit superficial. You're not sure if you're ready for those storms of life. You're not sure how your faith would fare. Or maybe you feel like your life is subject to overcrowding. Maybe your issue is space. And do you know what I'd say? Most of us probably have this issue. You feel that your life and the priorities and the things in your life have not created adequate room for Jesus to move in your world. You do not feel that you have Jesus as number one in your life anymore. You haven't put Him first in finances, in priorities, in the lures of wealth, in the cares of this life. If you are any of those things this morning, then as we stand and worship together shortly, I would encourage you like Sally did a couple of weeks, go, weeks ago. I think there's an invitation from God this morning for you to respond to Him and to go, God, those things might be there, but I'm choosing today for 2023 to be different. I'm choosing to set myself up for something different this year. I don't wanna just go through the motions yet again in this life and in this world. I want to see a change in my life this year in these areas. Then I would encourage you to come to the front as we worship as everyone stands and we worship together. If you come to the front and just spend that time communing with God and talking to Him directly about what that problem is. And then at the end of the service, one of our pastors or elders will come and pray with you. We would love to be able to seek God with you and pray with you and see a change brought in your world. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.